timeouts were also a large part of to take a timeout. Welcome in episode 44 of Out of Timeouts. I think that was the longest I ever held that intro. That was quite a W. It was quite a W. Speaking of quite a W, a lot of teams had some W's this week in area football. Winning. I'm not good at transitions anymore. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, we will talk about Creston OM football and their win on Friday against... ADM, Clark setting a school record and then falling in the next week. Caleb saw a good one in Southwest Valley in Lennox, a de facto district championship game as you phrased it. Possibly is. I-35 still unbeaten in a bunch of other area football. We'll get to cross country. We'll get to plenty of volleyball as well, plus players of the week, and then Caleb will get sappy. Oh, boy. But you've got half an hour to be excited until we get there. So I'm always excited. What are you talking about? Caleb. Me. Creston Orient Maxford football. Yeah. You saw them play a tough homecoming contest against Lewis Central, and then I saw them bounce back and defeat ADM. Where do you want to start with the Lewis Central game real quickly? Oh, uh, well, we saw the enigma that is uh, Mr. Dugan. Um, <laughs> Duggan? I, don't, I still don't know. <laughs> you know and that's my fault for not knowing the pronunciation. That being said, um, you kind of see why the guy's a big-time Division One uh, recruit after that. Um, I was explaining to Carter the other night in the newsroom, late night, it was like, he just kind of he just kind of stands there after he takes the snap and the shotgun. He just kind of like bounces once, and he's just kind of like just standing there, and he'll just whip, ball just right across the field or toward the sideline. It's obvious how much uh, how much strength he has in that arm, and um, and then he he moves just like uh, you're told he does. And as far as stuff breaks down in the pocket, you know, gone. Um, you're not gonna. It's not that he's like super agile in the sense that he's gonna juke everybody out of their shoes, but you're not. You're only gonna land like glancing blows on him unless you've got incredible lateral quickness and tackling ability. And it sounds like the biggest blow they had on him was very early on when they forced a fumble and recovered it, and then it yeah. was, he was like, okay, enough messing around. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, Tristan Travis um, reached, got home on, uh, on Dogan and... Uh, Did you say Dogan? <laughs> <laughs> on Max. Um, got, <laughs> got home on him. Garen Worcester recovered a fumble. Gresson was pretty amped up. Uh, the, the, str- the struggles they just ran into that night were... Um, there was a couple three announced to start the game. Um, there's a reason that Lewis Central was top ranked by some by some group, um, some polls, and then you know top three, top four, whatever, and a couple other ones. Uh, not a whole lot of running between the tackles, which surprised me a little bit. But the stats weren't really there. Uh, he was, Max was already the one who had the most rushing yards on the team anyway. And uh, but sometimes you don't need to run between the tackles when what you're doing through the air and on the outside, uh, getting out on the edges works. So we saw that, but I mean. They still put up a fight. They still were competing with a good team and still moving the ball at times, so that was impressive enough. Um, they carried that over into a, another home game the next week, and whatever good feelings I had must have translated well because the defense was great, The right? defense was fantastic, and uh, there's a number of different names I could talk about, so hopefully I can get to, to everybody here without forgetting anybody. Got to start with uh, Colby Hewlett and Kylan Smallwood on the defensive side. Talked to them after the game, and you know they both gave a lot of credit to to the team as a whole, but if you look at their individual performances, I mean, Colby Hewlett had eight solo tackles, 11 assisted tackles, and four tackles for loss. The kid was just everywhere. Uh, Kylan Smallwood had an interception to start the second half, which uh, turned into three points for Creston on the opposite end. Had 126 yards receiving, a touchdown there. Uh, Rylan Luther made some big-time defensive plays, one of which was in one of ADM's final drives of the game. ADM had a third and one, and Ryland Luther hit this kid right in the mouth as he tried to come through the center, and he did not get anywhere. <laughs> and then on fourth and one, Creston made another stop to force a turnover on downs. And defense held ADM just 13 points. Creston OM won that game 16-13. And uh, they, they're just, I don't quite get the, they're so good at coming out 
and punching teams in the mouth, it seems right like, away. on that first drive. Yeah. And then the offense, you know, other teams make adjustments, right? They Obviously, Kylan Smallwood had two catches for 61 yards on a 65-yard drive. So that'll that'll work pretty easily for, for six points. Um, and, you know, they were held without a point the rest of the half. But then you turn around and Kale Krolik hit a 35-yard field goal. Um, a big, a big three points there after they had a uh, a weird third and goal play. I believe it was third and goal. It might have been second and goal, but uh, where Eli Loudon threw a pass that got batted back to him, so he caught his own pass. Uh, unfortunately, ended up losing 14 yards on the play. I think it was just one of those reactionary catches, yeah. and oh no, now what? Um, and then Kale Krolik, having missed an extra point early in the first half, um, came back and hit a 35-yard field goal, and then caught the what went on to be the game-winning touchdown there at the end of the third quarter. And uh, Creston got the running game going. Eli Loudon had 114 yards on the ground. Ryland Luther had 82. So, I mean, they ended up with 211 yards rushing in total. Has, I'm pretty sure that's their season high. Yeah, I mean, um, when you when you look back at games where it compares, Atlantic's the only game that compares. Um, yeah. And on the ground, they were about a 200 in the Atlantic game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and they were only averaging 74 yards per game on the ground coming in, and that's something that Morrison had continued to talk about the importance of. And, you know, when they've matched up with teams that have had, you know, a similar-sized line, they've kind of imposed their will um, in a lot of different ways, both offensively and defensively, and those, those just smaller linebackers and the wrestlers that are coming just, uh, you know, Colby Hewlett, like you said uh, in the newsroom later that night, didn't start at the beginning of the year and is just, I mean, pretty much solidified his spot, I think, yeah. at, at this point, uh, you oh, know, yeah, no bar- question. barring anything drastic. So they've just made some plays, and uh, I think Morrison's right, and he said it pretty much every week, but this team's just got a lot of fight in it. Um, you know, even for a team that was 1-4 and four coming in, taking on a 4-1 and in team, just a lot of belief, a lot of fight, and... Um, We'll see where their confidence goes from here because I know they've got three and three tough games um, to finish off the year, and you can say what you want about computer rankings, but BC Moore doesn't have them favored in any of them. So, but they also weren't they favored weren't against favored ADM. In this one, so. Yeah, they weren't favored against ADM. So, a good win for Creston. A good a good overall win just in general. They did turn the ball over four times as well, so I think that also speaks to the defense to mm-hmm. be able to just allow ADM to get thirteen points. And yeah, a good win for Creston elsewhere. Clark fell to Des Moines Christian on Friday, but the week before that, I saw them play Saydell, in which Garrett Moore came and set a individual rushing record, school rushing record. In his first game of the year. In his first <laughs> game of the year, yes. And uh, Clark also set a school rushing record, finishing with, I believe it was 476 rushing yards. Which, yeah, I mean, north of 470, yeah. As we've, as we've talked about, that's the identity of their team, and uh, Coach Dwayne Mathis pretty much called his shot, having told you that before before <laughs> yep. the game, he yep. said he said they were going to do it, and and they did it, and that's a heck of a homecoming for Clark. And uh, they knew they had a tough Des Moines Christian team coming in, but uh, Caleb, I'll let you talk a little bit about that first. I'll just you know, Garrett Moore came in and just was running kids over left and right, and not only was he able to kind of bruise his way through people, he was pretty shifty as well. Uh, and I mean, there were plenty of other big time performances there, but obviously, when you set a school rushing record in your first game of the year, it tends to be. Uh, what, what catches the eye of most people, and that was a game Clark won 47-18 and then turned around against a good Des Moines Christian team and, you know, just kind of... into a really good offense. Yes. Um, and so, I mean, come on, so what? This last week is an example of they should have the confidence to come out and run the ball and force their will against whoever they want. Um, this week they ran into a very athletic Des Moines Christian team that likes to get out on the edges. Uh, 
get the running backs in space. Um, once they get past that uh, linebacker level, there's a couple guys on that team that were extremely dangerous. Um, Demoyne Clark hang, hung with Demoyne Christian pretty well early. They were kind of going back and forth, trading blows before some uh, some mistakes, some turnovers, kind of rear their rear their heads for Clark. Um, Demoyne Christian took advantage of some miscues, and then next thing you know, I mean, it goes from a contended game where it's a one possession game, and next thing you know, they're up four touchdowns. And for the half, they'd already scored. Uh, I believe it was 49, 42 or 49 points. And, uh, they, and Clark was still competing. They ended up still rushing for over 250 yards. Riley Domina had the best rushing game of his career, 24 attempts for 198 yards and three touchdowns, a couple really long plays. Um, and he had a hundred yard over hundred yard rushing against Sadell. Yeah. And so you're in a, you're in a position where you're still running the ball, but, uh, they're just like, and they're, and they're still kind of going back and forth between having guys healthy. Um, just as an example, Garrett Moore, as we're just talking about him, he got hurt on the uh, second drive of the game for Clark. So this weekend was out the rest of the way. Um, obviously hurts big time and you aren't able to one, one control possession of the ball so when you're not picking up first downs first downs a team like Dwayne Christian's going to get it back they're going to be dangerous um Jackson Waring very highly talented talented athlete who picked up his yards in the run and running himself and throwing the ball um so you look at it and you're like okay so matchup wise this is these teams are somewhat evenly matched but while it looks like Dwayne Christian has better athletes um but in the end like they just took advantage of those big plays and ended up putting a lot of points on the board to Clark's credit, um, they had the last four scores of the game, um, so they didn't lay down by any means and just you know take it into the house. This was a hyped game. It was a game that uh, local five came in um, to uh, kind of give them some hype and call it the game of the week over there. And um, so people still showed up. Um, they had a good throng of fans out there, even in the you know cold weather. Finally, getting to that fall football weather and um, still did some good things. So now they're just kind of headed to. Centerville the next week, um, long bus ride that they got to take. So hoping that they can carry over some of those good things, especially in the run game, um, and find a way to limit those mistakes. And Centerville lost to Des Moines Christian forty-eight fourteen just a week before this yeah. last week. So uh, Centerville's coming off a big I, loss. Pretty too. much a uh, I I think continue to use the word litmus test because it's week six, <laughs> but uh, a big time district test for mm-hmm. for Clark there. And you were out at. Another big-time district test this past Friday, just a couple days ago. We were recording this on Sunday for full disclosure there. You saw Southeast Warren and Lennox. You thought Southeast Warren, well, we all thought Southeast yeah. Warren was going to attack to the skies. That's just what they've done, and they yeah. didn't quite do that. Yeah, and, and just as a just as a sidebar, we're, we're coming off a week where Lennox had confidence because they just scored 108 points. Yes. Uh, the second <laughs> highest score, according to the Boys, or the boys Association, uh, all-time point eight man total points. Um, I couldn't verify it, but that's what I was. I couldn't find other examples. I could only find like one score that was higher, so that makes sense. Um, but uh, so they came in with confidence. Southeast Warren was averaging sixty-two points a game, and uh, they had a quarterback, Colby Page, who was uh, had a twenty-six to two touchdown interception ratio. Uh, okay, so you're like you're thinking coming in, we got they're going to take to the sky even on a wet night, which didn't end up being as wet as I thought it would, and you know they're going to give them trouble that way. Um, Coach Shane Rowlands from Southeast Warren was actually the first one after the game to be like, give Lennox's coaches credit because they shut down what we wanted to do originally. Uh, Southeast Warren only threw the ball 10 times. Um, they're coming into this game just airing it out, doing all their damage through the air. Um, Colby Page ends up throwing uh, 10 passes, completing 5 for 26 yards. You read that stat line, if you're Lennox, you're like, we won that football game. Except they did what Lennox didn't expect them to do. They started hammering the ball between the tackles. They were being... Despite Southeast Warren's offensive linemen being smaller than the defensive linemen on, even at a lot of points during the game, they were just getting six yards and eight yards, four yards, turning out first down, first down, first down. And then when they got into the red zone or on Lennox's side of the field, 
Colby Page just used his feet like he hadn't had to all year. He ended up with 229 yards rushing um, in a huge contest where they needed somebody to really step up. Um, they also had a backup running back come in um, in place of a suspended uh, running back and just kind of really enforce his will on the first couple drives that really kind of showcased what they were going to want to do after they had the lack of success through the air. Um, Lennox had his chances. Lennox did find a way to kind of get it back to close. They scored a touchdown to start the second half. Drew Venteiker rushed a touchdown. Um, but they just kind of, you know, couldn't make the tackles they needed to make in space, and Colby Page continued to be a threat with his foot, with his feet, and that was really just kind of the story of the game. They were more physical and against a team that prides itself on physicality. So now Lennox kind of has to, you know, lick their wounds and just kind of get back to it and know that they got to win out if they want to, you know, sit at the top of that district and be one of those big names with a chance to make the playoffs. Speaking of a team and probably our best area team with a chance to make the playoffs, I-35 is 6-0. and They aren't slowing down whatsoever. No, and I this week's RPI is not out yet, but as of week five, they were number one in Class 1A RPI. And Caleb, you've got those stats pulled up. We know they had another good week. This was against Colfax Mingo this week. A big win. They continue to win. And uh, those playmakers that we've we've talked about from the get-go are still the, the guys they are relying on week in and week out, and it's working. Yeah, uh, Joey Regards, his first year as a signal caller while also handling duties at linebacker. He went for 200 yards through the air, mainly targeted Richie Riglione, who eight catches for 137 yards in the score. He's still doing things defensively. He had a fumble recovery and an interception. Um, that might be enough to get you a Player of the Week nominee, maybe. <laughs> um, but Probably get him on the yeah. on the poll. Yeah, so... Uh, no spoilers. Yeah, and uh, they just keep doing it. I mean, Mason Casty, 163 yards on the ground, four touchdowns. Um, each week offensively. <laughs> well, you got competition. <laughs> I know. Um, and this is coming off a week where they had a really good win over Woodward Granger, a darn good team, and they just didn't let up this week. I mean, they're heading into these games uh, after following up big wins, and they're not you know, letting up, letting other teams uh, make headway. And um, they're kind of taking care of who they need to. So they're going to have one more game this week. Um, they're going to end up the following week against Woodward Academy. And then they head into the probably the toughest, maybe the toughest part of their schedule. Pleasantville is... Generally, always good. They're having a down year compared to years past, but they're always going to be a tough team. Um, that's at home, luckily, for I-35. Then they'll end the season at Pella Christian with a chance to go into the playoffs undefeated. Even if they lose that game at Pella Christian, they stand a very good chance of making the playoffs regardless. And Pella Christian's got a tough tough final three games for them. It's Colfax, Mingo, Woodward, Granger, and then I-35. So that we'll see if how healthy they are coming into that game with that stretch. Elsewhere, Central Decatur fell to Linville Sully, 32-14. They had three different guys complete passes for them this week in Cage Laymaster, Cole Peterson, and Tyke Walker. Didn't look like the offense could really get going, and uh, you know some big completions receiving. Coy Spidal had a 62-yard catch. Tyke Walker with a 47-yard catch. Spidal had a rushing touchdown. Tyke Walker, who finished the game with negative 18 yards rushing, also had a rushing touchdown for them. That will drop them to 1-5. and five. Caleb, elsewhere, Murray played East Union this week in a game, you know, we thought might have been a little bit closer. Yeah, uh, Murray has athletes, and uh, they've been playing better football in general this year. They entered 3-2. and two. Um, They also may, maybe, I can't speak for them, but you would think maybe last year they had that on the mind after um, East Union beat them 60-0 last year. Uh, so early, Murray competed with him. It was 30-18, to 18, but Mur- the Mustangs just weren't getting stops. Matt McGuire, senior quarterback, ended up throwing six touchdown passes, a career high, 347 yards passing, a career high. Uh, guys who, I mean, D- Dylan Weiss was ridiculous this week, 11 catches for 
216 yards and three touchdowns. And then Dalton Prophet is another one that's still showing that as a freshman, he can be um, a threat through the passing game. He had two touchdown catches, 74 yards. And then Colt Mitchell getting involved as a senior. Good to see someone like him kind of step up and do something. Was surprised to see that EU on a night where it was a little wet didn't really run the ball, but maybe they just felt like they didn't have to based on all the success they had. So props to uh, EU getting that win, bouncing uh, back from a loss to Southeast Warren, but, you know, a team that everybody in that district's having difficulty with stopping in Southeast Warren. Um, and then so Murray sits at 3-3 three and three now because the previous week they had defeated Seymour. Um, still a remarkably improved Murray football team who's probably didn't have the performance it wanted this week, so they're going to end up kind of stepping into um, Lennox, a Lennox team um, facing them at home this upcoming week. That's going to kind of be their chance to, you know, step in, see how much, how they're still trying to see how much improved they are because this, I mean, it's probably going to leave a salty taste in the mouth losing like this to East Union. Elsewhere, Nottoway Valley fell to Riverside, head coach of Daryl Frain from Riverside. Creston folks know that name okay. quite well. Uh, Riverside forced seven turnovers. That, that'll pretty much do it. That was 30-8 to eight for Riverside. They also had over 200 yards on the ground. Hunter Hodges had 183 of those for Riverside. And then Southwest Valley went and took on St. Albert in a rematch from last year's regular season game that Southwest Valley won 8-7. Not so close this time. Yeah, I did not expect that. Um, because of the amount of turnovers Southwest Valley's uh, forced this year, they headed into this game with a 17-game regular season losing streak. Winning streak. Winning streak. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, and you just... I mean, I know it's a road game. I know St. Albert's a big name, but you just don't expect what happened there. Um, from what the sounds of it, from people who are covering, covering it, uh, Kevin White, for an example, Del, Damon Helgevold, um, turnovers and special teams early on hurt Southwest Valley, and that's not what you expect with this team. Um, and then St. Albert, you know, put the pedal to the metal, had some uh, big performances from some guys. I mean, you look at the stats, and nothing's particularly overwhelming. Uh, multiple guys with rush, t- rushing touchdowns, but, you know, benefited from short field. Um, they still ended up with about 200 yards of rushing, but there's just no overwhelming stats from this. I mean, the two fumble recoveries, they had two punt returns for touchdowns, and then a blocked punt as well, I believe is what it was. So um, Southwest Valley, again, not to overuse this phrase, they really got to lick the wounds, come back. They they probably been, I mean, more than anything, more than any other team, they have that we are going to go one know mindset this week. So Coach Donnie is going to be like, all right, that's a wash. We are now refocusing, and we're getting it done this week. So... South Southwest Valley's team that's kind of equipped to move on from a loss like that. On to cross country and out of the football ranks, Nottoway Valley. They are thriving. Josh Bowdler just did quite a remarkable thing. Caleb, would you like to tell our out of timeouts audience what that was? Well, he's already won for one. For example, I believe five races this year. Yeah. Um. So there's that. Uh, continuing to be along with uh, Sean McDermott, one of the best runners in kind of one A in this area of the state in general. If you talk about Madrid, um, but Bodler ended up finishing 13th at a race in uh, Waverly, Iowa, Wartburg College. And uh, he was so it was 13th in a time of 16.15, which is a career best for him. It's a school record, according to Coach Daryl Burmeister. And they only, I mean, Nottoway Valley beat every school in that field that was a 1A, 2A, or 3A school. The only schools that beat Nottoway Valley were 4A schools, like Dubuque Hempstead, who won it, by the way, which is a surprise. But, um, yeah, I mean... Nottoway Valley is kind of at that level where even in these big meets, like they're going to benefit because of the depth through their lineup. Um, Madrid is that example of the school, and Earlham is an example of a school that have already beat Nottoway Valley on the boys' side, but not 
like you're not going to have very many small schools across the state that can really com uh, compete because of the consistency they have. Uh, Sophia Brower's went under 21 minutes for the first time in her career, so that was a good thing for her. Um, and they had just come off of a uh, decent meet at OM, Ori Maxburg last week. And so, I mean, they're still thriving. Reagan Weinheimer and Sophia Brower's are just going after it um, for the NV girls and for the NV boys. It's any given week, it seems like somebody who was fifth could jump up to second or third. And so they're really kind of starting to really push each other as they head into the home stretch of the season because already we're almost at uh, conference meet time. I was in Osceola for a Clark meet. I was in Osceola early this week for a meet. No 4A schools at, at this meet. Uh, smaller schools there. On the girls' side, a lot to talk about there. Abby Gehring of I-35 won the meet on the girls' side. A frosh. As a freshman, yes, in just over 22 minutes, once again setting the school record there. Right behind her, Cassie Nelson of Lennox. She repeats as a silver medalist from the same meet a year ago yeah. where she also took second. And uh, Caleb, as you know, McKenna Hogan right on her heels, finishing just under a minute behind her in fifth place. And then the uh, Southwest Valley girls were all over the place. Sydney Davies in eighth, Hallie Pearson in 20th, Aubrey Boswell in 21st. Coach Jason Holtz was quite excited about their performance there. Can't forget about Mount Air. Michaela Jones, also a top 10 finisher there. And then Riley Haveman and Taylor Clymer also inside the top 30. So a really solid race on the girls' side. On the boys' side, Isaac Timmerman was fourth for Mount Air. He had a late kick. I didn't see what, what happened on that, that back stretch where he, where he closed the gap, but I want to say he was in sixth or seventh by uh, the last time I had seen him. And the next thing I know, he came around towards the finish line, finishing in fourth with quite a bit of space between he and the fifth-place runner. Chase Smith was in seventh, Levi Henry in 13th, Scott Driscoll in 18th, all for Mount Air. Just guys littered in the top 20 there. Yeah, so just a good meet there. It was another kind of dreary day. Mm -hmm. uh, it seems to be consistent throughout this week, and it sounds like that's going to be the case for the next couple weeks. But, you know, it's not too warm not having you know have to worry about heat exhaustion or anything like that so yeah. as you said nearing those conference meets i think schools are starting to see the those times that they want to want to see closing in and uh, a race that caught the eye of swick track yeah. track and field coach uh he was a big fan of the course and i uh, was def definitely out there seeing some things he liked he was joking about taking his team out to train there i don't really think he was joking i think he was yeah. pretty pretty serious so uh, lots of impressive things there. You were at the Orient Maxburg meet for that. What did you see in that one? Well, probably the last good weather meet of the year. It was freaking beautiful over at Orient Lake the other day, or Lake Orient rather. And uh, Creston won uh, won the meet on the girls' side. Um, they had you know a couple of good finishes as you'd expect from Braylon Baker and uh, Brielle Baker. They go Brielle third, Braylon fourth, um, and. The only ones they finished behind are Emma Lucas from Bedford. And it's like, okay, well, we know how good she is. She's number one in 1A. Um, and so some good stuff from them over there. Um, we had the two seniors from Orient Maxburg running their home meet, Noah Nichols and Andrew Tribal. Um, so good stuff from there. Um, but, yeah, I think my main takeaway was just seeing a, kind of a, an interesting meet because I hadn't seen the Orient meet before. They, uh, I didn't see it my first fall here, and then last year it was canceled because of rain. So it was cool to see them running around the, around the lake, kind of a – Cool, scenic little deal. Um, so so it was a good, fun meet at Lake Orient. Um, ho hopefully we'll get at least one or two more meets just like that. On to volleyball. Caleb, you put in our rundown. It's the question of who is looking good. So I'll just direct that question at you. <laughs> uh, we've talked about the Pride of Iowa 
pretty yeah. consistently and how topsy-turvy it is. And I think the uh, the top teams have, you know, the coaches may not have seen exactly what they want in the middle season, but a lot of them are sitting on some pretty significant winning streaks right now. So I'm sure they're seeing more of what they're looking for heading into uh, the final week of the regular season. Yeah, and we still we still know at this point Southeast Warren's kind of set itself apart. Um, so that's just an example of somebody who's been playing really well. Mountaineers played some good volleyball. Um, they've took a couple losses to a team like East Mills, who's a very good uh, small school program over here, um, while they managed to, you know, kind of really get on a roll against the likes of Bedford, Murray, Central Decatur. Um, they're still picking some very good contributions for a number of kids, uh, whether it's Kirsten Klamow, Sam Stewart, Maddie Stewart, um, J.C. Knight, all coming to mind with other contributions from across the board. Um, Southwest Valley continues to be a team that's had its mojo going. Uh, they've only lost one match in the last, uh, really the last month, if you look at it. And so they're playing good volleyball. They'll play uh, Mount Air before they get into Pride of Iowa championships. And they're playing about really as good as anybody is in the conference, and they don't have um, that bad conference loss looking them in the eye or anything. So if they beat Mount Air this week, that's them standing in a pretty good spot heading into that tournament. Um, East Union's a team that's played kind of here and there every once in a while, whereas Nottoway Valley's improved over the last couple of weeks. They went from about uh, four, and I think they were in the like four to six range, and now they've won uh, six of the last seven matches. And that includes against some good wins against the likes of uh, Central Decatur, and then even HSTW, who's a good program. So that's where some of those teams stand. Uh, diagonal on in the bluegrass side of things, Diagonal's finally got a few wins. Uh, Murray is kind of heading towards that home stretch of their schedule. And then Orient Maxburg um, as well, coming to a close. The season, it goes from just starting in September to we're rapidly wrapping that up. And um, as far as Creston goes, uh, looking at a team that, you know, grabbed a uh, couple wins recently but uh, they've also had some struggles in weekend tournaments so uh what have you seen and what are you expecting man yeah nothing uh nothing at least weekend tournament wise that we haven't talked about in a previous episode i don't i believe uh just if we hadn't you know a tough tough tournament in glenwood where they dropped all six of their matches winning just one set since then and then after that they played two really good teams in mm-hmm. kemper catholic and lewis central bounced back with a sweep over atlantic where megan haley led the way with 10 kills kelsey field Excuse me, Megan Haley had 12 kills. Kelsey Fields had 10 kills. Taylor Buxton with six. I think the nice thing for Creston, and uh, obviously they're too big of a school to be in the POI, but they have a little bit more time uh, before before postseason stuff rolls around. Just as a team that you know is still looking to kind of get on the mend and get healthy, and uh, you know just really figure out where they are as a, as a unit. They, after starting the season so well and beating up on some teams that they should, uh, they're they're going to close with some of the the top tier teams in mm-hmm. the Hawkeye 10. And so seeing where they kind of stand there and, you know, just obviously if you're going to have to have younger kids step up, seeing who you can get to contribute. And I know there's going to be some, some new names coming in this week or newer names, I should say of maybe people who aren't as familiar with some of the younger, younger talent and uh, seeing how they can handle uh, hopping right in, in the thick of things in the season and where they go from there. On to player of the week, Caleb, we have two weeks of player of the week to catch up on. So start us off from week four. Oh, well, let's just give them their shout-outs. Uh, Mackenzie Pryor of East Union continues to be a force at the net. Uh, she was our volleyball winner for Week 4. Um, we had three Mount Air kids win in Week 4 as well. Chase Smith being the guy who's going to battle with Isaac Terriman every week, usually finishes in the top 10 of whatever races he's running in. Yeah, we, we talk about how important that online vote is, and <laughs> that that's that's a big one for the, the Raider fans. Mount they're, Air, Ringgold County people figure that out. Yeah, they're showing up on, on the online polls. Not just Twitter. I know yeah. we've said it before. I cut you off, Caleb. But, but so did Clark, to... and we'll get to that in a second. There you go. Um, Michaela Jones was the cross-country girls winner, and then you know Chase Smith on the boys' side. 
Dawson Frost had a couple big touchdown catches, and Mountaineers win over Clark. Uh, that helped him earn Week 4 Football Player of the Week honors, with stepping over to Week 5. Brooke Miller, big week for Lennox. Uh, they've played some better volleyball, and she took a, a much more uh, active role in the attack mm-hmm. and in digging. So uh, kind of chance to get her honored there, so congrats to her. Hunter Fry and Braylon Baker, the, cr- the cross-country winners, both from Creston this week. Hunter Fry is one of those kids who's kind of seen his, you know, his times come down and over time has been a consistent varsity uh, guy who they can rely on to get good times. And then Garrett Moore um, for that outstanding performance in week, f- or, I'm sorry, in week five. Garrett Moore's outstanding performance, the school, ru- school rushing record that he set. So um, it was a chance to honor him for that. And the Clark people showed out uh, online and on Twitter. The Twitter poll had over 900 votes. <laughs> yeah. So they cared. They yeah. cared enough to get out and vote for him. And uh, beat out Colton Gordon, who had nine touchdowns in that 108-point yeah. Lennox performance, which Lord. I think we hadn't yeah. – we mentioned the score, but we hadn't mentioned yeah. Colton Gordon's nine touchdowns. So, uh, well, I wish you could have just like named both of them player of the week. Those are both incredible performances. Yes, they are. And that'll pretty much do it for our player of the week. So Caleb will have a little update on his life and uh, then we'll close things out of here. So uh, after what is it? We've done 44 episodes of out of timeouts and this was, this would be 44. Oh Lord. Yep. 44 episodes of out of timeouts. Uh, I like to say that we're probably still going to do a few more here in time, but I will be, Possibly doing it from a different location, or I would be doing it from a different location because I have recently taken a job uh, covering high school sports and Northern Illinois University football and basketball athletics in general in DeKalb, Illinois. It's about a five-hour trip east in general. It's about six, six and a half hours from where I'm from in Ohio. Um, it's a way for me to close kind of the gap between here and my home. Um, it's an opportunity to do something I wanted in covering college football and college basketball like I did in college. And... Uh, it was just an all-around opportunity that I was kind of looking to make. And so when it presented itself, it's the same company that we currently work for. Um, and it's, you know, it's just something I knew I had to do. So that's my status update for where I'm headed. We'll probably do one more out of timeouts podcast before I leave. We'll see how it works or out two. or two. We'll see how or it four. works out. <laughs> we won't do four. We might yell into a microphone. I don't know if that counts as a podcast. Uh, do you want to yell into the microphone? I guess it depends on who you're asking. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm I'll, at the verge of at the point of getting sappy. I will probably be there here in a couple days more so than I am now. Um, but that's my status, and I am now sad. And as far as the status of the podcast is concerned, it's not the end of the road. Like Caleb said, there will be future episodes before he departs, as well as episodes uh, after that. Whether he's on it or not, we will. It. I will try to do my best to make it continue. Uh, you, I'm sure you will get updates from Caleb. I'm be a frequent guest, if not still consistently on it week in and week out but it's not hopefully it's not going anywhere like i said we will see maybe a brief pause while things are uh worked out um but out of timeouts will still be your number one podcast source for southwest oh Iowa. You, yeah yeah oh plug yeah i've already, uh, I already keep telling people i'm like i'm not gonna stop paying attention because i still care what happens like even after i after i leave and if you think i'm lying i still was checking out the weekly scores like i'm still checking out the weekly scores for southeast ohio football like three years after I stopped coaching there. It's true. He keeps updating me on schools I don't care about. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 44. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, and we will talk to you guys soon. It's timeouts. Timeouts were also a large part. I have to take a timeout.